You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. Sometimes somebody will buy you a gift and you're like, oh, thanks. And in the back of your mind, you're like, I got an office work party that we got to bring a gift to. And you just gave me a gift that I can now give away. This is really good. Thank you. You're helping me. Sometimes we get gifts and we do an exchange. Can I tell you what? Christmas is all about the greatest gift exchange you've ever heard of. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Did this year fly by for anybody else? It just kind of flew by for me. I can't believe we're already coming up on 2019. It's going to be a great year. Looking forward to what God is going to do. We're excited that you're here. This morning, we're going to talk about disappointment. Yeah, I knew it. Yes. You say, why would you talk about disappointment? Because I want to get you ready because you're not going to get what you want this year. Your wife already told me she didn't get what you wanted. And uh, your husband told me you ain't getting what you wanted. You know, it's just, it's going to happen or your kids are not going to get what they wanted. I don't know. How many of you, you've got a crier in the house. Somebody's going to cry this Christmas. Somebody's going to cry. We always have a crier in our house. Even growing up, there was always a crier in the house. There was always going to be somebody that was going to get disappointed, that's going to feel cheated, slighted. They were going to cry at Christmas because they didn't get what they wanted. Or they saw somebody else get a gift that they wanted and they really feel like they deserved it. So there's always that that crier. But it's amazing when it comes to disappointment because for many of us, the biggest thing that keeps us away from God is not disbelief and it's not doubt. It's actually disappointment. For us, through life, we kind of feel at times that when we're following God and that when we're being good, life shouldn't have any disappointments. And so what happens is we understand that as we go through life, we are disappointed. We're disappointed by circumstances. We're disappointed by events. And we're disappointed by people. But it doesn't just start with, stop with circumstances, events, and with people. We're even disappointed by ourselves. Many of us this year, we got a gym membership that we used twice. We're disappointed by ourselves. Many of us said last year, I'm just going to cheat over the holidays. And, and you're still cheating. <laughs> and it's another holiday around, you know. I'm just going to cheat on my diet a little bit. Uh, last year you said, oh, I was going to save. There's, there's, there's nobody we really disappoint more than ourselves. But what happens is disappointment's everywhere. And it can begin to creep into our lives and it can tend to have what we would call disastrous effects. And many of us, we've been affected by disappointment or disappointment has affected us. And so when we look at things, we, we often wonder, we often step back and we say, I don't know if my relationship with so-and-so is going to work or I don't know if I'm, this job is going to work out. And many times we ask that because there's a disappointment that's come into the 
circumstances. And we can look at disappointment as a bad thing. And oftentimes we do because why? It's a negative emotion. And how many of us, we hate negative emotion. I mean, I hate any negative emotion. I notice that I do not have the emotional maturity to handle negative emotion. I just don't like it. I really don't. So if there's a, a negative situation or things start to get a little bit tense or heated, I like to excuse or recuse myself from the circumstances because why? I don't like anything negative. But think about this. Disappointment is a great teacher. You say, what do you mean it's a great teacher? You see, you don't really know where you stand with someone until there's been disappointment. I remember when I first started dating my wife, Jane, uh, I never wanted to do anything that might potentially disappoint her. Why? Because that could potentially jeopardize our relationship. Because I didn't know how strong the relationship was. And you know, the, the longer and the stronger a relationship is, the more disappointment it can tend to handle. You know, uh, our kids, if you have children in the room, you know that they will disappoint you. Not just once, not just twice, sometimes twice daily. You know, it just happens with children, but yet as a parent, that doesn't actually change the way you feel about them. Why? Because disappointment does not destroy the relationship. Disappointment has actually defined it, or can I say it like this, redefined it in a new way. Because as a child, you don't know how much your parents love you until you tell them that, guess what, I stayed out too late, I did wreck the car, I was with people I wasn't supposed to be with, I know I'm going to get grounded for the rest of my life, you're going to take away my driver's license, I know you're going to send me off to a boarding school, I know all that's going to happen. And then for your parents to break down and just with tears in their eyes say, hey, we set up those rules because we love you and we care about you, that's why we had those rules. That then for that child redefines the relationship for them. So the disappointment actually didn't destroy it, it defined it. But some of you have been in a relationship with someone who you disappointed them and then they walked. They were out of there. Why? Because the disappointment defined the relationship. And the defining moment was the fact that they didn't want to be in the relationship. You may have grown up with a parent that you felt like you always disappointed. Anything you, good was, you did was not good enough. And until you stopped disappointing them, then the definition of the relationship was that you could have a relationship. But this morning, I want you to look at, as we look over the Christmas story, and I believe many of us are familiar with the fact that the Christmas story revi revolves around some characters. One is Mary. Mary's going to have the baby Jesus, and then there's going to be her, her, her engaged fiancé, Joseph. She's going to eventually marry. It involves him. It involves some wise men. It involves some shepherds. It involves some angels. It involves King Herod. And all these things come together. But you can remember when Joseph found out that Mary was expecting a child. That's disappointing. And at the moment of disappointment, what did Joseph do? He had a decision to make. Do we destroy the relationship over my disappointment? Or do I define it and redefine it in a new way? And it actually made the relationship stronger and better. Because what happens is we come to disappointment, we don't understand how it works in our life. And so this morning, we want to look at how do we deal with disappointment? Because so much of us, our lives is defined by it. And this morning, I want us to look at that. Take your Bible if you have a copy of God's Word, to Luke chapter number 2. If you don't, there's a Bible in the seat back in front of you. That's our gift to you. You can have that. You can keep that. Or it'll be up on the screen. Let's just read just a few verses, if we can, together in the next few minutes that we have together. Notice, if you would, beginning in verse number 3 of chapter 2, it says, And all returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. 
He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Highlight that, mark that, circle that, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Highlight that, circle that. Because angels had a message in the Christmas story they were the messengers. But the manger had the biggest message, didn't it? You see, these angels, they came and they, they were the messengers that God wanted to send. But yet it's the manger that I believe teaches the greatest message. And what's that? That life is disappointing. And it started out disappointing. So many times we can look at our life and we think it's not going to be disappointing. It's not going to happen to me. But there is a message in the manger this morning. And I believe this message is going to speak to you. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when there's a message, I get a mixed message. I'm married and I have a wonderful wife. I love her to death. And there'll be some mornings where I will see her washing dishes. And ladies, sometimes your man just thinks you look hot washing dishes. You don't have to do anything. All of a sudden he just thinks, man, there is a fine looking woman right there. And uh, he goes over and he gets, a, I'm sorry, he gets a little bit handsy, okay? That's just what happens. He gets a little bit handsy. And uh, it's his wife, it's his woman, it's okay. And uh, prudes in church this morning. And so, you know, some mornings I'll see her doing dishes and I'm like, wow, God blessed me with an amazing wife. Wow, she is just amazing. And yes, I'll get a little bit handsy and then I'll whisper sweet nothings in her ear and then she'll blush. Well, I don't know if she blushes. She's Filipino, I can't tell. But I just imagine that she blushes a little bit. I've never seen her blush. I don't know if she can blush. I, it's real easy. I can turn as red as red can be. She doesn't, all right? And uh, so it's just one of those things. But then it goes pretty good. She, she, she giggles and laughs or, or something like that, you know. And then the next day, what's she doing? She's doing the dishes and she's still looking cute and fine. And all of a sudden I was thinking, man, that worked out pretty good yesterday. So I'll do the exact same thing, expecting the exact same results, only to be hit by a spatula or a wet sponge or a frying pan. You say, why? I don't know why. Yesterday, the signals were the exact same as today, but the outcome's totally different. There's a message, but there was a mixed message, and I didn't get the mixed message. And sometimes we approach church, we approach Jesus, we approach God, and we think it's a mixed message. I'm confused. I follow him, but then my life has disappointment. I follow him and I serve him, but my life has pain. I'm trying to live for God. I'm here on church on Christmas Eve. I got my Christmas Eve sweaters on. I got my Christmas Eve socks. I mean, I'm ready for this thing. But yet my life is financially not where I thought it'd be. My marriage is not where emotionally where I want it to be. And I feel alone. I feel hurt. I feel disappointed. And the disappointment in your mind, you feel like it's going to destroy something. But you have a decision because just like you've been disappointed, 
Just like somebody has disappointed you, something, some event has disappointed you, think in your mind for a second. Could it be possible that you've disappointed God? Now, don't dwell on that for too long, but think about this. The answer most likely for all of us is a resounding yes, but that does not change the way that God treats you. It didn't. You say, well, well, I got a flat tire and I don't have the money. That has nothing to do. That is called life. Bills, sickness, disease, that's just called life. But the story of Christmas, the message of the manger is that he would send his son, his baby to be born and to be born in a barn and then placed in a manger to be placed in a, in a little manger where animals will, will eat out of it. It's a little feeding trough, and it doesn't smell pleasant. This is the creator of the universe. This is his son in a manger. You see, we're coming to this Christmas season, and we all might be able to resoundingly say all together that this isn't how I wanted it to turn out. You've gotten this far into 2018, and you may be thinking, this isn't how I wanted it to turn out. This isn't the way I wanted things to be. And that's exactly where we're at. This isn't how I wanted it to turn out. You thought it'd be different. You thought by now I'd be farther along. You thought you'd by now you'd have more. This isn't how. Do you think for a moment that Mary, when she was planning her little baby book, when she was planning all when the baby's going to be born and all that, do you think in her mind she was like, yeah, Bethlehem, that's a great sprawling, sprawling metropolis. They got good hospitals over there. They got, you know, a good NICU just in case anything goes wrong. They got some really good nurses. Man, I've heard great things about the doctors. I've even heard that you'll get your own private room. You don't have to share it with nobody. There won't be that little curtain in there and everything, and it's going to be really comfortable. Do you think she was thinking all that? Sure, she was planning it's better, but what happened? It didn't turn out like she wanted it to. All of a sudden, she's having her baby, and she's having it in a barn, and she's got to put her baby to sleep in a manger, in a feeding trough. When I was born, I was born in unusual circumstances. My parents, for whatever reason, decided to have their first four kids born at home and not in a hospital. You're like, hmm, that explains a lot, Pastor. Like, I always knew something was off, and now I know why. Yeah, for whatever reason, they decided to have the first four born at home, and they didn't have a home. They had an apartment on Clyde Avenue, which is in Santa Clara. Not the best neighborhood, kind of ghetto neighborhood. And uh, so we were born in an apartment in Santa Clara, and uh, she had... Her first four kids were born at home. That's just kind of crazy, not ideal, but it's what she did. My mom was a savage. You say, how do you know your mom was a savage? There was no epidural. That's savage. There was no painkillers. She just went for it. And there's what's even crazier. With the fourth one, I have a younger brother. His name is Daniel. When Daniel was born, my dad had planned a get-together with some friends to come over for dinner. But my dad didn't plan it real good. And so my baby brother Daniel was born, and then a few hours later, a bunch of people came over for a get-together that night, and my mom was up and making food. That is savage. How many know, like, if your husband did that to you, you're like, oh, I'd kill him. He'd be dead. I would just end it right there, and, uh, you know, he would just be dead. And somebody came over. They were like, so, Victoria, what did you do today? I had a kid. I had a baby. A human came out of my womb into this world. What have you done lately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's just one of those. That's just what happened. That's savage. It's not ideal, but it's what happened. And you may be here in this point, and you're just like, what is happening? This isn't turning out how I want it to. And you can get so disappointed by all that's happening. And what happens is the dis disappointment is not going to destroy the relationship. It's going to define it. And for some of us, we're allowing it to define us instead of saying, no, no, no. This relationship is strong. I remember when Jane and I, we did have a fight. And I was like, ooh, we're going to break up? And then we didn't. I was like, oh, wow. There's a little bit more depth here. 
I remember when my kids first started pushing back a little bit against the rules. I was like, wait a minute. They, and they understood that there's some love there. They understood the context and the depth of the relationship. You don't really know how much God loves you until you've actually done something that you're like, wow, can't believe I did that. Can't believe I said that, thought that. Can't believe I, I went there and God still loves me. It's so great salvation. And sometimes we miss it because we're so focused on our disappointment as if we've never done anything. And here Mary, she's frustrated, she's hurt. Verse number seven, it even lays out, says she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. You see, well, when we get to this point, it just kind of is what it is. It is what it is. It's not ideal. It's not the best. It's not what we, we expected, but it just kind of is what it is. It's, it, it's disappointing. And we've been through those disappointing situations. Every Christmas, my wife and I, we plan a really nice date around the holiday season. We just love to go out to the city. We love to have a great time. I say, like, I'll get a babysitter. We're going we're gonna to save our pennies, nickels, and dimes. And, man, we're going to eat at a real restaurant where they take reservations. IHOP don't take no reservations, so we're not going to go to IHOP. We're going to go to a real place that takes reservations. And you know it's good that they call you to confirm that you're still coming to your reservation. So it's a good place. You, know, you save a lot of money. And we get dressed up. We drive to the city. We don't take no kids. I'm even weird. I want the, the car seats and the, the, the baby stuff. I don't want no trace of kids in the car. I want a kid-free zone just in case they got a valet. I don't want him to be like, mm, nah. Because those valets, they judge you. As soon as I see some baby bottles, some diapers, you know, thrown in the corner, they judge you, man. I don't want no looks from the valet when he takes my car. So I take any trace of kids and I take it out of the car and man, we were ready. I get that car clean. She gets in. We're in. We're driving and uh, we're having a great time. It's just me and her there's nobody talking to us or throwing anything at us you know we're just driving down the road and here's what's crazy it was Friday at 5 30 there wasn't even traffic I was like there's not even traffic on the 101 everybody's out of town this is fantastic we were making good time as soon as we got to the city you know it's normal traffic in the city and so I told my wife I said hey babe why don't you call the restaurant and tell them we're five minutes out Google says I'm five minutes out we're gonna be there in five minutes and just let them know hold our table I don't want to lose it and she called and she was like great and uh, then then she looks over and she's like hey grab my boots and I was like excuse me she's like yeah I need my boots you're, you're they're on your feet she's like no 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 no. I just had my nails done and I didn't want them to get chipped so I, I I asked you to grab my boots on the way out I said no you asked me to grab your cell phone I have that I got your phone and she was like I have no shoes I was like it is what it is and you're gonna go eat barefoot I don't care no shirt no shoes no service they will because we're already here and we're going to eat. I was like, who gets in the car with no shoes on? I just, I never heard of this, okay? I've never experienced this. And I don't know, ladies, I don't get my pedicure done and I don't care if my nails get chipped, you know, but you all want to keep your nails nice. And so she gets in the car and, and all of a sudden she doesn't want to get her, her, her nails chipped. And so she had asked me to get the boots and there's no boots. And I'm looking, I'm hoping there's a gym bag where she can wear a pair of my Nikes or something. And just say, here, babe, there you go. You know, and uh, all of a sudden uh, for me, uh, when I'm upset, I get quiet, real quiet. And she's like, are you mad at me? I'm like, hmm, 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 hmm. Mm. You know, he started grunting and everything. And then I was like, 
pull up on my phone. I was like, you know, let's make a moment out of this. You know, I was thinking, uh, you know, maybe we'll just go to the restaurant and I'll take off my shoes. And I was like, it's San Francisco. We could do this bohemian thing, you know, and I'll just, I'll have no shoes. You won't have any shoes. It'd be kind of cool. They'll think we're, we're cool or something. And I was thinking, making a moment. Then I was like, I really don't want to get kicked out. And I was like, I don't like feet and I don't like my feet, you know? And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that to people, you know? And uh, so I was Google shoe store. There's got to be one. We're in the city. And then I was like, rephrase that cheap shoe store. And uh, so here's what's amazing. I've never seen a target in the city. And all of a sudden I saw a red bullseye and I was like, you got to be kidding me. How perfect is that? And we pull up and there it is. There's target. And I look over at Jane. I was like, all right, babe, I'm going to let you out at the light. I'm not even going to park. You just jump out and go get you some shoes. And I'll just pull up. And she's like, <clears throat> I have no shoes. I can't go in there. And I was like, look at all the homeless people. They ain't got shoes and they ain't complaining. Get out the car. And she was like, you gotta be kidding me. So we started switching seats right there. People are looking over at us and everything. And I was like, I'm good, I'm good. And just went in, I got the shoes and I got her some shoes. It would have been really easy at that point to let a disappointment define and destroy the relationship or we could redefine it where we say, you know what? This is a moment. And too often we can allow a disappointment come into our life and we allow it to create a distance from us and God where God's like, hey, you disappointed me. And guess what I did with that distance? I closed the gap. I sent my son Jesus. So now, because you're disappointed, you're going to do the exact opposite. Around Christmas, that's all what, what the Christmas story is. It's God closing the gap between us and him. It's God saying, yeah, you've disappointed me over and over and over and over and over. But yet, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep closing the gap. I'm going to send my son Jesus for you to die for you because Jesus loved you. You see, when Jesus met disappointment, he didn't just allow the relationship to be destroyed. He defined it and he redefined it. You say, how did he do that? by this. He hung on a cross for you and me. That's what he did. It would have been real easy to say, no, you did disappoint me one too many times. No. That's why it's called so great salvation. You see, it is what it is. And you and I, we're looking at it and we're saying, man, it's frustrating. It is what it is. And it's hard because guess what? The angel appeared to Mary in Luke chapter number one. And in Luke chapter number one, the angel tells Mary, you're going to have a baby and your baby's going to be great. He's going to be a king. Your baby's going to be a king and your baby's going to do great things. This is what every mother wants to hear about their child, that their child's going to be great and do great things. But yet the angel conveniently left out the fact that, and oh yeah, you're going to have him in a barn and he's going to be born in a manger. Like nothing was said about a barn and a manger. None. Zip. Zilch. Nothing in the fine print. He left that out. So what do you do when the angel says something that you don't see? We're like, my baby's supposed to be great, but yet he's in a stall right now. It smells. And it's nasty in here. So right now you're looking at your life and you're saying, it's disappointing. God, where are you at? God, have you abandoned me? And you've got to say, you know what? It is what it is, but that's not all it is. Write that down. It is what it is, but that's not all it is. It's so much more than that. I don't know about you, but do you guys have a favorite Christmas book that you guys read? The last service, they don't read books. They only watch movies. I want to see, am I in the same audience? Are you like, hey, if there's a book, I'll wait for the movie to come out. Is that you? Is that you? A few of you? There we go. How many still enjoy a book, like a Christmas book? Christmas Carol, Twas the Night Before Christmas, or Elf on the Shelf. We all got our book, and I found a great little book. Any of you familiar with this book? I really like this. The Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This is a great book. What's so cool about this book is the fact that it's all about this guy who's trying to steal Christmas from the Who's because he can't stand it, can't stand the noise. But I love one little part that I really have to read for you. Because you and I, 
we can look at the Christmas season and we can get so wrapped up and we're just thinking, you know what it is, what it is. But I need you to understand that's not all it is. And see, at the end of this book, how the Grinch stole Christmas, there's a line. Because he stole all their trees, he stole their presents, he stole all their food, he took everything. And then he took it on top of the hill and he's going to wait till dawn and he was going to wait and listen to them screaming and crying. But as he's up on top of the mountain, what does he hear? He hears singing and he hears songs and he's confused. Let me read a page to you. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Isn't that powerful? That Christmas means a little bit more? You see, it is what it is, but that's not all it is. Some of us get so wrapped up, so isolated, and so, so, so focused on this perfect Christmas, this ideal Christmas that we talked about last week, but we miss the fact that, guess what? In this world, it's bigger than that. It's more than that. You see, here we have this, this moment where there's disappointment, where we have to say it is what it is, but that's not all it is, because God sent Jesus to this earth, and there's a verse in Romans chapter number 8, verse 32. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. God's like, hey, if I give you my very son, Jesus, there's nothing else that I'm going to hold back from you because that was the best thing I could ever give for you. And yet so often, it's not that God is holding out on us. It's that we're holding out on God. It's that God's like, hey, I redefine the relationship that even if you disappoint me, guess what? I'm still going to define it that we're, we're, we're together. God doesn't say, oh, hashtag uh, breakup. God doesn't get on his Facebook account and look at you and says, yeah, we're, we're done. He doesn't do that. He doesn't have a picture of him burning all the stuff that you gave him, your old T-shirts, your old postcards, your old letters. I talk about how I went to the thrift store and I saw this really cool frame and it uh, talked about a penny and this is the date on it and said the date we first met, another penny, the date that we first kissed and another penny and just went on, all these pennies. And I was like, this was beautiful. And I showed it to Jane and then Jane was like, yeah, but it's at the goodwill. Obviously, something happened. Obviously, they're not together. I was like, oh, that's messed up. And uh, I was like, I really wanted to buy it and show it to you guys. And babe was like, she was like, what if they go to our church? That'd be terrible. I was like, oh, that would break my heart. Then I'd be like, you want it back? You know, and I'd just, here you go. I got it for you. And uh, Christmas gift. And so it's easy to get disappointed. But God is like, hey, you may be disappointed, but how many times have I disappointed God? And God's like, guess what? I still love you. I still care about you. I still want to be with you. I still want to have a relationship with you. So it is what it is, but it's not all it is. There's so much more to it. There's so much more to God's love for you. There's so much more for his care for you. You see, Christmas is something more. It's about an entrance. It's about Jesus' entrance into this world. In verse number seven, it talks about him having to go to a, be born in a barn. Why? Because there was no room in the inn. There was no lodging available. And it's interesting because they weren't going to force themselves into a house. Just like Jesus isn't going to invade your life. He's waiting to be invited. He's not an intruder. 
He wants to be your invited guest. Revelation says, lo, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens to me, I will come in unto him. It's an invitation that he is waiting for. But yet Christmas is supposed to be a time where we open gifts, where we open doors to friends and family, and it's a time where we're supposed to open our hearts. But how many times are we closed off to all three? Because Jesus is saying, hey, this is my entrance into the world. Christmas is about something more. It's about his entrance into this world. It's about his entrance into your heart. But so many times because your disappointment, you're like, no, I want the relationship to not be redefined. I want it to be destroyed because you did this to me or you let this happen. And so I'm closed off to it. I'm telling you, more people reject God, not because of disbelief or distrust, but because of disappointment. That's why they walk away from God. And this morning, God is saying, hey, You're disappointed with me over life stuff. How many times have we failed him? And he's like, I'm not disappointed with you. It's about his entrance. Not only that, it's about expectation. It talks about how there was a couple in the end of chapter two. One was Simeon, the other was Anna. And they waited for years for the coming Messiah. And he finally came and they waited at the temple. It says, and daily, night and day, they waited there because they were waiting for Jesus. They were expecting him. And they waited day in and day out, month after month, year after year. They were waiting, not knowing when he was going to show up. And it would have been easy for them to get disappointed. But they were like, no, we're not going to give up. We're not going to stop. We're not going to let that maybe tomorrow he'll show up. We're just going to keep showing up and doing what we know to do. Christmas is about expectation. There's an old Christmas carol. It goes, come thou long expected Jesus. And that's just it. It's long expected. There's an expectation that he's coming. There's an expectation, and that's what it was all about. But not only that, there is this, this is, the story is all about an entrance. It's all about an expectation, but it's about an exchange. You see, what do you mean an exchange? Christmas time is a really fun time for gift exchange. Any people that you do the white elephant gift exchange, let me just see your hands. You do the white elephant. Oh, man, isn't that great? How many always get stuck with a really lame bad gift? I'm just curious. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's bad. That's rude. Not allowed to do that. Pastor's supposed to be nice. No, I'm just kidding. I went to a gift exchange, and I was telling my wife, I was like, I really, I really want to get an animal. Let me give away an animal. You know, let me just get like a chicken or something, or let me get like a rabid squirrel. Let me just put it in a box. I just think that would be hilarious, you know? And she was like, we're not doing that. No, you're going to get something real. You're going to get a real gift. And I was like, it is. A chicken is a real gift. That's just awesome. And so I was going to be stuck with the chicken, you know? And uh, why? when it comes to gifts, we exchange them. But sometimes somebody will buy you a gift, and you're like, oh, thanks. And in the back of your mind, you're like, I got an office work party that we got to bring a gift to. And you just gave me a gift that I can now give away. This is really good. Thank you. You're helping me. You know, your gift is going to be gifted to somebody else. And so, you know, sometimes we get gifts and we do an exchange. Can I tell you what? Christmas is all about the greatest gift exchange you've ever heard of. You say, what do you mean the greatest gift exchange? The Bible talks about that Jesus took and bore the sins of the world on his shoulders. So God says, here's the deal. You are going to, you are going to, he's going to send his son Jesus to this earth. He's going to take our sin and we're going to get his salvation. It's a gift exchange. It's an exchange. We exchange our sin, our guilt, our wrong, our rebellion. And God's like, I'm going to give you my grace. I'm going to give you my love. I'm going to give you my family. I'm going to give you my name. You're going to be restored. I'm going to help you. The relationship is going to be restored. Prepared. That's what we get. It's the great gift exchange. That's what God did at Christmas time. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, to this earth. It's not just about presence. It's about this exchange. And God said, hey, at this time of year, I want to do this great exchange. 
But too many times when it comes to the Christmas story, and we're all familiar with it, we've seen it, and we know it. We know that it's about a baby. We know that there's Mary. We know that there's some animals. We know that, man, Jesus is here, and we know that there's some wise men, and we get it all set up, and we're like, man, that's the Christmas story right there. And we get it. But what happens because we're disappointed and we get upset at God, we push God out of the center. And then what do we do? We put something else in the center. Now, we don't necessarily kick God out of the picture, but we just take him out of the center. Many of you, that's what you've done. Jesus, because you think he disappointed you, you pushed him to the side, and you put somebody else in the center. Maybe your spouse is in the center. Maybe some of your stuff is in the center. That is not your spouse, okay? That's not the illustration I'm making right there. I'm just saying your stuff, okay? You push your stuff to the center, or maybe you put something else to the center, or maybe you put your finances in the center, or maybe you will put your uh, gadgets in the center. You could put whatever you want, but all the time you justify it because you're like, well, Jesus is still in the picture. He's just not centered. He's not prime time. He's got a place. He's on the team. He may be playing left bench, but he's on the team, and he's there, and God is like, wait a minute, that's not what it's all about. And we, because of our disappointment, we push Jesus, and we push him to the side. And it's time we say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to put you back first place in my life. I'm going to put you back front and center where you need to be, where you deserve to be, because I'm going to stop letting disappointment destroy the relationship. I'm going to let it define it in a deeper and stronger and better way this morning. Because that's what Christmas is all about, where Jesus said, I want to have this strong and close relationship with you. So disappointment doesn't have to destroy your relationship. But this morning, would you let it define it, redefine it in a powerful way? That's what Christmas is all about, isn't it? It's about you saying, Jesus, I understand what you've done for me. I get it now. You sent Jesus in the most disappointing of circumstances. To show me that disappointment doesn't deter you. It doesn't delay you. Disappointment doesn't stop you. But yet how often are we guilty of one disappointment and throws everything off? We're like, Christmas is ruined. It's over. I don't want it. I'm canceling Christmas. But then we understand that Christmas is about something more. See, the wise men, they had to stop and they had to ask for directions. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. You're like, I'm kind of asking for direction. I don't really know which way to go. And I need a little help. Something's missing. And I've let a disappointment in my life destroy some good things in my life that I never meant to happen. And I need to get back on the right track. I need to get back onto the right path. And the wise men, people say that's what made them wise because they stopped to ask for the direction and say, where do I need to go? And maybe you find yourself here this morning thinking the exact same thoughts, that you've let a disappointment really destroy something good. You're saying, I need to get back on track. I need to get Jesus into my life. And maybe you are a Christian, a Christ follower. Maybe you have received his gift of salvation. And you're saying, no, no, I've received it. And you're saying, I've just let a disappointment just kind of create a drift, create a rift. And I want to I close that up today. I want to get closer to God. I want to go into 2019 stronger. I want to go into 2019 with my hand uh, close to him and with my, my heart in the word. And I want to be closer to God this year.
Or maybe you're here and you were drugged here and, and, and somebody brought you here, forced you to be here because that was going to be your Christmas gift to them. So it was going to save you 50 bucks. So you're like, hey, if that's what you want for Christmas, I'll, I'll go to church and you're here. And all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, hey, I want into your life. You've been closing the door on him. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, hey, let me in this morning. You've been avoiding me. You've been running from me. But here you are this morning. You find yourself in this place. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, will you invite me in? I won't invade. I won't intrude. I only will allow myself to be invited. And Jesus is there saying, will you invite me in? And maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Is you need to say, yes, I want to invite Jesus into my life. That I've sinned and I've rebelled and I've run from God. But this morning I'm done running. I'm done rebelling. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to restore the relationship with him. I want to confess my sin. I want to receive that great gift exchange. I want to exchange my sin for his salvation. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.